Welcome to the Valley Beit Midrash podcast, a program of Valley Beit Midrash, a global center of learning and action. We're bringing you the best in diverse, pluralistic Jewish wisdom, all with the goal of improving lives in our global community. I'm Rabbi Shmuley Yanklowitz. Let's get started. Shalom, shalom. It's a delight to be here with my friend and colleague, uh, Rabbi Sharon Brous, who is the senior and founding rabbi of IKAR, a wonderful community in LA. And um, she came out recently with this great book, A Man Effect, which I'm sure we'll talk about as well. But just to start on the personal front, I mean, we've both been uh, supporting people who experience loss for a long time. And just in recent months, we both um, have had our perhaps the most significant losses of our, of our lives, our immediate families. Uh, my mother passed in July, your father passed in August, and um, I wonder how you're experiencing that loss differently because mm. you're a rabbi and, and how um, you're supporting people in their loss differently because of your own mourning process. It's yeah. interesting, the book talks a lot about yeah. loss and mm. it was really written from the vantage point of a caregiver and I was concerned what because I closed the manuscript and then um, and then a few months before it came out my father died and I was concerned maybe it wouldn't resonate but but the wisdom of our tradition is so profound and I realized as I as I reread the manuscript after my father's death um, and now as I've been out talking about it um, out in the world how powerful the Jewish morning rituals are for people who are really struggling and suffering with grief. And so it's been hard. I mean, for, for both of us, I think, um, it, you know, the, my father's death, my, our shloshim, our 30 days uh, of mourning were cut short by Rosh Hashanah. And then I really felt like I would start grieving after the, after the holidays. And then we moved from this kind of individual grief into a broad collective grief and so I'm trying to capture moments where I can be present to my own grief. And so I'm both holding gratitude for the for the incredible rituals that keep drawing us back in and reminding us it's okay to not be okay this year. And also feeling a real yearning to be in in grief environments because they're acknowledging the, the truth of where we are. How about you? How are you holding it? Oh, thank you for asking. Um, yeah, I, um, I have loved the power of the morning rituals as well. I mean, Shiva was was uh, um, extraordinarily intense for me, and it meant, there's an added layer with my mother not being Jewish, um, which I'm trying to tap into. Um, you know, in terms of her own tradition, we were studying Tehillim psalms together um, every week, and can, I'm continuing that learning of that and. Um, um, and I just experience other people's loss so much more personally. Mm. It taps in. How do, how, how, how do you think our society is de- de- doing with grief? I mean, I don't think we do grief yeah. well. I don't. I mean, I think I think that we retreat in grief. Yeah. And the wisdom of our tradition says you actually move toward others yeah. instead of away from others. Yeah. But collectively, yeah. socially, we retreat in grief. Eddie yeah. Carr. During COVID, we created this grief garden, mm-hmm. um, this beautiful Yisker garden that was set up outside so that people could come on their own and socially distance. But we basically collected photos and stories that people would share about their loved ones. And we created this beautiful kind of public tribute to, mm-hmm. to grief. And we invited folks to come and 
people would go and spend hours there and they realize we don't do this in our society. We just don't create the kind of spaces where people can share that their hearts are broken. And so we have to find more ways to, to do that collectively. I think we desperately need that. Yeah, I, I wonder if, can I ask you? Yeah, totally. I really struggled to be a mourner as a rabbi. Mm -hmm. I struggled to be, to mm -hmm. receive the care yeah. and love that mourners are to receive. And instead I felt in Shiva, I was jumping up and running over to take care of everyone. And I, yeah. I wonder if you had a similar, was it, was there a point of tension where you, did you have to learn how to do the things that you teach others to do or did it come naturally for you? I, um, thank you for asking. I, found myself going into teacher mode. And um, the way I spent Shiva was I, I would I would cap it at an hour, and almost the entire of the hour minus the, the davening, the, the prayer uh, dimension, I would just talk and cry. And um, and I would, I would share Torah stories, I would share personal stories, and I actually found being a rabbi to be uh, a great asset for me mm -hmm. and able to just tap into that teaching moment in a way that when I was just sitting there, I couldn't get emotional. But when I would talk, I would. Mm. Um, but it sounds like your experience was different. I just, I just noticed yeah. that I spent the first three nights right. of Shiva kind of jumping up and running over I to everyone. See, and yeah. How is your surgery? Oh, How's your mother doing? How's your right, foot? Right. Until finally my husband right. and my dearest yes. friend in the world were like, right. you need to sit down and be yes. in a vela. Right. You right. need to be a mourner. That's what right. you taught us. Right. And let us feed you. Yeah. And let us take care yeah. of you. And it was just, it was very hard for me to switch directions. I'm right. so, right. I'm so used to moving in one direction. And so, and I'm yeah. so grateful that the, Tradition sort of tells us this is yeah, what yeah. you need right now. You know, and I did. I um I only know this Torah because I was just in Barcelona last week, and I was outside the house of the Rashba, and the Rashba on the Pirkei vote of um, what's mine is mine, what's yours is yours. The position of Am Haaretz, the ignoramus, is the one who says mine is yours and yours is mine. Like, you just don't understand how the economy works, right? Mm -hmm. But he says. The Amaretz is actually the kind of the hero. He's an, even worse to use the word Tikkunola mm. because this is a person who knows how to give and knows how to receive. Mm. And we need a world that, he says, that fosters love mm. when we both know how to give and how to receive. I love that. I've always struggled yeah. with that text, actually. Yeah. And so that's such a beautiful read. And so I, I give you the bracha. I hope you give it to me also that yeah. as rabbis, we can learn how to, how to receive um, yeah. care when we need it. But let me ask you, in terms of love, um, do you experience love differently, you know, given, given the loss? I mean, with family, with friends, with community, I mean, has that any shift on that? I mean, the main thing, yeah. I do, I, I resonate to what you're saying yeah. about, about in some way, like the, the experiencing the loss of a parent yeah. helps you understand people who have experienced yeah. loss of parent right. differently and better and yeah. it creates empathy and it, right. I mean, it just, it definitely deepens yeah. our human understanding yeah. and so, and I, I mean, I felt so blessed. I had such a beautiful father, and yeah. we had such an uncomplicated relationship. And I mean, he was really, yeah. he was so proud and so excited about the, my work. And he held a copy of the galleys in his hand, you know, before he died. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the book hadn't come out yet. But it, like, he, I, I, I feel that I feel the blessing of his love, and it also makes me even more sensitive and aware of people who who 
go through that loss and did, don't have, didn't have that kind of relationship, mm -hmm. which is so many people yes. who really struggle. Yes. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I'm very, I'm, I'm sort of hyper aware of that in this time. Yeah, no, I was very fortunate also to have a very uncomplicated relationship with uh, my mother, who was just uh, a great supporter of, and mm -hmm. friend, and um, and. Um, yeah, I think of my five-year-old son in hospice on the last day using this little sponge on a stick in my mom's mm -hmm. mouth and watching my kids be kind of in that experience with her. Oh. Not looking away from death, really being in it in a way that our society doesn't do so yeah. well. Yeah. And, um, and realizing that one of the main desires I have with my kids is to hold them close. Mm -hmm. And yet one of the most important things is to prepare them to exist independently. Yes. You know, and of course, there's value to everything, but um, my sense of like that loss of my mother and realizing my own mortality in a new way and what that means for the for my kids and um, it 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 makes it puts a little more fear into the love, mm. you know, realizing the inevitability of that break, mm -hmm. and it deepens it of just like that's all we have. Absolutely, all we have is the love. Look, there's a reason that Yom Kippur, you know, forces us to confront the reality of death because it makes us live more deeply and more, more gratefully. And I had the same experience with my father when he was in hospice and just bringing the kids close and, and having them not look away and just like inviting them into the understanding that death is part of life. And if we're blessed to be able to walk somebody to the, to, you know, through their final moments and kind of usher them through and give them permission to go, which really is an incredible blessing, as, as hard as it is. I, I just feel so, I feel so grateful that my kids got to do that with me and with him. Yeah, that's very deep and powerful. So my last question for you is, you know, one of your many legacies in the world will be this book. And um, I know you think very intentionally about what you want to do in the world. Um, if this were successful, so to speak, it is successful, but, you know, what, what little or big change would you want it to make in the world? Like, what, yeah. what you know, like in, the, in the soul of the country, like, mm -hmm. what, like, what impact would you like this to have? So, the, I mean, the premise of the book is essentially we are living in a time where we feel completely powerless because of the epidemic of loneliness and social right. alienation and isolation and political extremism right. and, and violence. Like, we just feel that we have no agency. But we have agency. We can show up with compassion and with courage. We can be present with people in, in celebration and sorrow and in solidarity. And I feel like that it's a very simple message, but it's something that we need to be reminded of. And it actually it gives us back our power in a way in a time where we just have where we've lost so much. There's something that we can do, and we can do it now. Yeah. Amazing. Friends, I encourage you to check out The Unmade Effect because um, we live in a time of breakdown of empathy, a spiritual crisis, a breakdown of community, and um, the deep loneliness and, and isolation. And we need to figure out how we're going to rebuild trust and love and community. And this is a great tool and inspiration to move that way. Thank you so much. Amen. Yeah. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Valley Beit Midrash podcast. Remember, that you can join our email list at valleybaitmadrash.org to stay up to date on new programs, learning opportunities, and more ways to stay connected. If you enjoyed learning with us today, support our work by making a donation at valleybaitmadrash.org slash donate. Join us next time as we continue to work together 
to build a better world. Thanks for listening.